0: Hey friend, if I met you in person for the first time right now, what would you say about yourself? Would you say, hey, I'm a wife, a mom, a teacher, but what about the rest of it? What about the rest of you? What if you're suddenly faced with a lackluster marriage or kids that are arguing back or rebelling or a job that's no longer fulfilling? I remember going through a time where I didn't know who I was anymore because all of those things were falling apart. And maybe that's you right now. If we had the privilege of meeting face-to-face, maybe you really wouldn't know what to say about yourself. Or you would just struggle to name your titles because you're going through such a hard time that nothing's going the way that you thought it would. But what if? What if you believed that you were all that God says you are in Christ? How would that change the way that you lived, the way that you interacted with others, or the way that you introduced yourself, and most importantly, your relationship with the Lord? Listen, Linda, I might step on your toes today, but it's because I love you and so does God. And these four steps today will help you to get rid of mistaken identity and renew and restore your identity in Christ. So go grab your coffee and get ready, because here we go. this isn't a game of ding dong ditch and don't worry I'm not a solar panel salesman. I'm just here to see you friend. Whether you have spit up stains and cluttered counters or you're still in your heels from work and just getting dinner started, take a minute and come sit with me. Welcome to the JAR podcast with your host Lydia, certified teacher, homeschool boy mom, oh Lord help me, and marriage ministry leader, bringing you tough lessons from my own journey to soul health and wholeness. Together each week, we'll discuss our struggles, pain, and shame. We'll combat labels and lies with biblical truth, and we'll work through our mess and come out stronger, more confident, and rooted in our identity in Christ. So move your pile of laundry over. Better yet, let me help you fold it while we talk. Thanks for letting me in. Now let's get real. The piano that lived against the wall under her portrait is gone. The piano was so present in our daily lives that it was almost invisible, like breath. Now its absence dominates the room. Magda rages at the empty space. With the piano gone, something in her is missing too. A piece of her identity. An outlet for her self-expression. In its absence, she finds anger. Vibrant, full-voiced, willful. I admire her for it. My anger turns inward and conceals in my lungs. One day she comes home breathless. The piano, she says. I found it. It's in the coffee house. Our piano. We've got to get it back. The coffee house owner won't believe that it's ours. My sisters take turns pleading. Finally, Magda seeks out the piano tuner. He comes with her to the cafe and talks to the owner and then looks inside the piano lid to read the serial number. Yes, he says, nodding. This is their piano. He gets together a crew of men to bring it back to our apartment. Is there something inside me that can verify my identity? That can restore myself to myself? If such a thing existed, who would I seek out to lift the lid, read the code? So that's just a clip of the book that I'm reading, The Choice by Dr. Edith Eager. And as I read that section, I thought about our identity in Christ. And some questions ran through my mind, like, what is the difference between the two sisters' reactions to losing something that they identified or they had, their identity was rooted in? One was anger and outrage and fighting to prove herself, and the other was inward anger and silence and bitterness and loss. And then the question of what is our serial number? How are we stamped or labeled? And who would come to reclaim us? All of that got my mind spinning and thinking about this whole concept of identity and where it comes from. And whenever we place our value in something or a relationship and it's suddenly not there anymore, as is the piano in this story, you begin to question your adequacy and your ability and even your overall value thinking, am I enough or am I not good enough? And you start to pull away or isolate or as in the one, the one sister's case, overcompensate with overperforming to make it all better or find your identity again or to make everyone see you for who you are and appreciate you so that you can feel better about your worth and feel good again. And that's when you know you have a case of broken identity or misplaced identity. So today I want to look at a couple definitions and things first before we dive into the four steps to restoring your identity in Christ. And the first is looking at identity. According to the dictionary, it's the condition or character as to who a person or what a thing is the qualities, beliefs, etc., that distinguish or identify a person or a thing. Another part of that definition says exact likeness in nature or qualities. So we'll come back to that in a little bit. The next definition I wanted to look at is restore. It's a verb, and it means to bring back into existence, use, or to reestablish. To bring back to a former, original, or normal condition to bring back to a state of health, soundness, or vigor, or to put back to a former place, to a former position, or rank. So that's just a little bit of background to take note of as we dive into today's message. What is identity, though, and why is it so important? You know, our culture is really interested in this whole journey of discovering individual identity and we take personality tests and dream assessments or we take these fun quizzes that are everywhere all over Facebook and it seems like everyone is searching for something to tell them who they are or where they belong or how they and their personality relates to the world and to other people and our sense of self shouldn't be constructed but it's realized in Christ. And all of this is more misleading than anything because it's more about self-discovery and pointing inward instead of upward. It's it's not unbiblical to talk about identity, but identity in Christ. It's disconnected from the, the bigger biblical story of creation. And so therefore it's incomplete. Our identity was established by God from the very beginning, and we're made in the image of God, and that image is restored and perfected in Christ, and when we look to him. All the way back in Genesis 1 verse 27, it says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. But once sin entered the world, our identity in being image bearers of Christ turned to looking outside of that and looking to things of this world to fulfill us and to find our identity in. And so I want to ask you, where where do you find your identity? What happens when you rely on the things of this world to validate you or to bring you worth? God's word says that all of this will fade away and only his word will remain and yet we look to things like our job or career, our motherhood, our relationship status, our appearances, accomplishments, performance. This whole sense of identity thing is found in things that we do or titles that we have or certifications we have worked for and things that we have achieved but What about when those things stop appreciating you or get dust on them? (laughs) Or they stop thanking you or noticing you or praising you or promoting you? You can start to feel lonely, right? Lonely and lost and unloved and unworthy. And that's broken identity. Maybe it's stolen identity. Like in the story, the piano was stolen They hadn't rightfully given it up. So maybe some of your identity is caused by trauma and others taking what's not rightfully theirs, which is also rooted in sin. Maybe some of your broken identity is coming from your own sin. Maybe not intentional, but it happened that way because we idolize good things. And I have an episode on how to identify that if we have replaced God with counterfeit gods and it's uh, I think episode nine and you can go listen to that but I want to quickly touch on what are what are the repercussions or the problem with a broken identity other than feeling internally maybe like we're lonely or lost what are the repercussions the ripple effects of that happening and broken identity really leads to broken functioning. You end up burying the talents that God gave you or it causes you to not be healthy internally in your soul and that leaks out onto everybody else around you. You're not able to be the wife or the mom or the friend or the worker, the employee that God's called you to be or that's given you the purpose to steward well. You're not able to perform those things to the best of your ability and your broken identity can lead to further brokenness that starts to affect all of your relationships and, and all of the hats you wear and therefore all of your performances. So let's go back to the definitions of identity and restore. That smaller second uh, definition of identity was exact likeness in nature or qualities. So if we're finding our identity in our status, our relationship status, then we're finding our qualities and how we behave in that relationship alone. If we find our identity in our accomplishments and performances, then all that we are worth and all that we identify as are those qualities and the likeness and nature of that specific role that we're in. But again, what if that's gone? What if that falls apart? As I've experienced, and some of you have as well, what if your identity is found in being a good wife and suddenly you are facing separation and you go to check a box that says marital status and you don't know if you check single, divorced, Married? Separated? Complicated? (laughs) If you don't know who you are in Christ, moments like that can lead to falling apart, honestly. So let's take a breath and let's go back to the definition of restore. To restore means to bring back to a former, original, or normal condition. The way that God created you. Who he is, is the image that he gave us. He gave us the image of him. That is the condition. That is the normal, the original, the former, that he wants us to identify as. And what he says about himself and what he says about you is what your identity should be rooted in. And your identity can be defined by who God is making you to be or, again, restoring you to be in his image. And that second definition was to bring back to a state of health, soundness, or vigor, which is what he wants to restore us to, is our original, healthy, whole, sound way of being. So step one of restoring this identity, back to its rightful place, is to, one, recognize. We have to start with recognizing or remembering who he is and therefore who you are. Who he created you to be, walking in union with him and made in his image, that's where we need to start. We need to recognize things like in Ephesians 2.19 it says, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Which means we belong. That's our identity. We have a place. We belong. When we don't feel like we do with anybody else, when our relationship status changes, we still belong. Second Corinthians 9, 8 says, God is able to bless you abundantly. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Which means we are secure. We are blessed and we are secure in him and his provision. Even when we feel lost, even when we don't feel loved or provided for. And in 1 John 3, 1, it says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. We are loved. You are loved. And He has lavished that on you and called you a child of the King. That is your identity. And it's important to recognize and remember that you are loved, even when you don't feel loved. Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. He delights in you, and you are, you are not just accepted or put up with, even if you're feeling that way. By somebody else, even if somebody else is making you feel that way. You can recognize and remember who God is, your mighty warrior who saves, and that he delights and sings over you. And the last thing, recognize and remember that you are forgiven. Colossians 3.13, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And that one leads us into point two, because when we remember that we are forgiven and we are therefore called to forgive, it leads us to number two, repent. To get rid of things that are a part of the old you, part of the darkness, such as deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander, because you have been brought into wonderful light. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. That's 2 Corinthians 5.17. In Christ, you're a new creation. You are made new. The old things that defined you, the labels that you put on yourself or that someone put on you, those are taken away and you are new. So remembering and recognizing that you are a new creation leads you to repent of the things that maybe you contributed, um, idolatry, past sins, current sins, whatever it is, maybe it's bitterness that you're hanging on to because of idols you have in your life, like even having a good marriage. And if it's not the marriage that you wanted, or it's different than you expected, or it's worse than it's been, and you walk around your house holding that bitterness in, it's time to repent of that. And it's time to let go of that and to forgive and to ask God for forgiveness. And this is a crucial step in restoring our identity in Christ because, yeah, we could remember that we belong to God and, and think that, oh, that's such a wonderful thought. Yes, I remember who God is and who I am, but there's no follow through. It's a thought that's in one ear and out the other. It's easily forgotten and it's not implemented and practiced, and really digested, and transformational, we have to take the step of repenting from things that God is there in the first place. Otherwise, those idols are still going to be there. We're still going to look to good things like having a good marriage or being a good mom as something that we're rooted in, Is something that we're going to fall back on and look to when we are questioning our value or our worth, or we start to feel lonely or unappreciated, And we're going to point to those things and say, hey, why aren't you making me feel this way? I've put in all this work and you're not giving it back to me. You're not validating me. You're not making me feel worthy or valued. But again, those aren't the things that we're supposed to be rooted in. And so we have to repent when we have identified that and look to where we've gone wrong there. So after we have won, recognized, and two, repented. Then we need to continue that with removing. We need to remove those lies, beliefs, those idols, the outside messages that we're listening to. Maybe we need to turn off certain things we're watching or stop listening to certain people that we're listening to and ignore the false teachings that we have begun to believe like that we need to discover our self-worth. No, girl, you need to remember your worth in Christ, not your self-worth. Yourself, the Bible says that the heart is deceitful, and we can't trust our own hearts. The world will say, just follow your heart. No, follow Holy Spirit, follow the word of God, the wrong thinkings, the lies that we believe about who we are and what makes us important and and what is a strong foundation to stand on. We have to repent of those lies, but then work to continue to get them out. It's not a one and done. Some of these things can be really deeply rooted. Sometimes it requires going to counseling in a therapist, or opening up to a trusted mentor or advisor, or digging deeper in the word. I always recommend that. It is an ongoing process. We are inundated today, especially today, with social media and technology at our fingertips, with lies that we don't even know are lies. We don't even recognize when they're coming at us. It's sneaky, it looks good, and we start to shift our heart's desires to those things instead of God's things. And so we need to work on removing those. Number four is restoring. So remember the definition of restoring to being made in his image. We are not our own. It's not about self-actualization and self-discovery, like I said, but it's about remembering who gave us breath, who made us, who put his breath in us, who formed us, who saw us in our mother's wombs, who created us. And when sin and destruction and abuse... Or anything tries to remove that identity from us, Jesus came to restore his purpose and plans for us. It didn't disappear. Maybe like the piano in the beginning it was taken, but Jesus is our stamp. Jesus is our serial number that we are identified by. When people look at us and they see that, they know who we belong to. So in Christ we are restored to who God is. If he is faithful, we can be faithful. If he forgives, we can forgive. If he is good, we can be good. If he is perfect, we are made perfect in him. I took some things from the first couple chapters of Ephesians that reminds us of some of these things. So from Ephesians 1 through 2, you are chosen from the beginning, adopted and belong, Sealed with a promise. Made in His image and given authority and strength. You are made alive. You are raised up. You are saved by grace, not works. You are His workmanship. You are brought near to Him. You are a member of God's household. And you are being built together in Him. You and your husband are being built together in Him. If you both have your identities rooted and restored to their rightful place. So these four steps, I hope, help you to replace your broken identity with your identity newly restored and rooted in Christ. And as you find your identity in Christ, you will grow to look more like him and less like the world. You'll grow in your intimacy with God, with your husband and with others. So, if we were to meet in person, how would you introduce yourself to me? I hope it would start with, I'm a child of God. Loads of love, Lydia. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. I'll see you next Saturday, same time, same place.